Keeping you up to date on the world of social media. Industry experts, innovators, creators, storytellers, and the latest social media tools, tips, and tactics. This is Social Media News Live. Welcome to Social Media News Live. I'm Jeff C. And you're not. I'm Grace Duffy, and this is the show that keeps you up to date on the world of social media marketing. And today we're talking all about marketing with empathy. And marketing is more than just mapping a customer journey through a sales funnel. It requires taking a walk in their shoes, understanding how to help them get to where they want to go. But for that, you just don't want to think like a marketer. You need to be the customer. So I'm so excited today that we are joined by Brooke Silas, and she is the founder and CEO of B Squared Media, and she's joining us to explore how to connect, converse, and convert through social-led customer care. Brooke, thank you for being on the show again. Thank you for having me again. You guys are always so much fun. I feel like I giggle more than I talk on your show, which is a sign of a good show, I'm pretty sure. Well, I hope, I hope, and I do a lot of giggling as well because Grace makes me laugh. So, but if you don't know who Brooke is, you really should. She is the In the Trenches founder and CEO of B Squared Media, an award-winning social media advertising and customer care agency. She's the also, which is it's an incredible podcast, the co-host of the Marketing Companion podcast with Mark Schaefer, where they discuss jaw-dropping marketing trends. If you haven't listened to that, make sure you guys go over to uh, all your favorite podcast player, Apple, Spotify, wherever, and Give them a rating review. It really does help podcasters out, and it is it is well worth the listen. So go check them out over there. But she was also recently named one of the ten rising stars of the marketing world by LinkedIn. And but she's always she's always been a star in our book. So you know whatever <laughs> whatever LinkedIn says. Brooke's marketing mantra is think conver- uh, conversation, not campaign. So be sure to give her a shout out on all the socials as you see her around today. Brooke, once again, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. So excited to be here. Well, I also want to mention that you have a new book that is coming up and it's all about how to connect, converse and convert through social media listening and social led customer care. And that was a line from her book. I did not write that. I'm just going to tell you, like, but it was so succinctly captures exactly what it is. Now, Jeff and I were able to review one of your early copies, uh, advanced copies in, in preparation for this show. And I love how it actually steps you through the process, including scripts. It even had scripts on how to respond to customers, which I always find helpful because it's always like, okay, I know how to do, I know what to do, but how do you do it? Like, it really walks you through. But we've invited you here to talk about some of the marketing principles that you lay out in this book so well, Marketing with Empathy and that social-led customer care. But I certainly don't want to give it all away. So hopefully this show leaves our listeners and our viewers wanting more, because I definitely want to go back and reread and really dig through some of these concepts. Do you have any details on when and where it will be available to everyone right now? or in the future? Yes, yeah, so we're hoping for a spring uh, summer launch. So shortly, right, not too far off. We just kind of wrapped up uh, the first rough draft, as we say, and we're working on kind of the, the second rough draft right now, and then we'll get into the final rough draft, and then we'll go into publishing. But if you go to that link that Jeff shared earlier, it's the bit.ly link, um, you can find our landing page uh, that's all about the book. You can sign up, receive a free excerpt of the book today, and then I'll kind of just keep you updated along the way with some of the cool stuff that's happening in the book, some of the interviews that I have coming up, and then obviously we'll let you know when it launches. 
Yes. I so can't by, wait. So I'm by the way, to- yeah, I want to I want to share this for our podcast listeners. So to get this landing page, you want to go to bit.ly forward slash b two book, and that's capital B two, like the the, let, the number two, the number two, <laughs> number two, and book. So capital B, the number two, and book. So bit.ly forward slash b two book. So make sure you guys check that out. Uh, we were, like Grace said, uh, able to get that advanced copy. And it is, I mean, seriously, this is going to be one of those primers that you're going to use, that you're going to keep around. I mean, it's up there with any of her um, co-hosts um, podcast, Mark Schaefer. I mean, I, I love Mark's book. She's written a ton of them. But this is, a good, this is just a great book as well. So I know it's going to be hugely successful. So go there, get that excerpt that you uh, can download from for signing up to be uh getting those reminders and uh let us know what you think on social let brooke know i'm sure she would just be would love to have some feedback but it is amazing so make sure you guys go check that out as well the other thing before we jump right into the the main part of the show i also want to talk about ecam this week they uh, this next week coming up next week starting on monday they're doing a thing all about audio and if, as you know, as you watched us last week, audio is super important when you're doing a live show, uh, inspect, especially if there's like jackhammers outside your window. But um, <laughs> it's going to be all about audio, why it's so important, how to improve your audio, what gear, equipment you need to use, should you get a, a soundboard, all that stuff. Um, the best place to find out uh, about that is they have this new platform that they are using with partnership with Alter Live. So if you go to ecamhq.com, alterlive.com that's ecamhq.alterlive.com you can sign up it's free it's going to be incredible training so make sure you guys go check that out from our friends over at ecam so first section grace let's talk about this empathy marketing by social led customer care Absolutely. So, Brooke, you kick off your book by telling readers about a beta test that you a, a, a social first customer care concept that you worked with uh, a luxury brand to roll out. And you said you ran this test for almost two years. You write that you launched a program in 2020 and in just the first six months. I want to read these stats for everyone because these are incredible results. You increased and improved response time by 3,278%. And then you also increased response volume by 2,229%. And going from an average of um, uh, 56 complaints you said per month to 1,248. And if you've ever done customer care or support team or anyone, I've done I've done this. You know, anyone that's worked in social media marketing has done this to some capacity. You understand what this means to increase your volume and that ability to respond to your customers that fast and that quickly. And so you lay out the details of this strategy in your book. But can you give us a broad overview? of how you set up this beta test program. Yeah. Well, so what 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 happened? It was almost like a natural evolution, right? So we've we're celebrating our 10th birthday actually in May and we've always done organic management of social media pages for brands. What we started to see over the 10 years was that more and more channels became less of a uh, you know, place to distribute content and more of a place where people were coming for support questions throughout the digital customer journey. So when I say customer care, I don't just mean post-purchase. I also mean pre-purchase because what's happening again, more and more on social media is that shoppers are coming to brand pages and asking acquisition questions or pre-purchase questions, meaning I'm looking at this shoe and your shoe 
they are the same price, they seem to be the same color, you offer the same things, why is your shoe different? Why should I buy your shoe? And if you're able to answer that question quickly and then maybe throw in a little something, something like, hey, and also if you wanna buy today, I can give you free shipping. You're going to capture that purchase, right? You're gonna capture that conversion, but only if you're there actively listening and then responding quickly. So, you know, as we saw this natural progression happened, we started to kind of process out or operationalize, how do you take care of customers and would-be customers throughout the entire digital journey and when they want it. So what they want, when they want, on the channel they want it on, and quickly, <laughs> which, which a lot of things went into, which I know we'll talk about today. So, Brooke, what were some, like, I mean, you mentioned in your book a, a lot of the stuff, but what are some of the, because I know people are listening in, and it can be overwhelming when they talk about, when you talk about, you know, cycles of the customer journey and, you know, all the stuff, and especially for a small company or even a solopreneur, it can be overwhelming. So what were some of like the, the biggest takeaways you got or, or pitfalls, I say, I guess that when you were doing kind of this study? Yeah, so, uh, you know, the pitfalls, I don't see as pitfalls. So mm. I think the pitfalls and what we all get scared of, right, is that negative, right? Everybody yeah. talks about, and we see all the time online, all of the negative stuff that's happening. But I say in the book, as you know, I want you to be a negative Nancy, because the only place that we actually have a catalyst for change is within the negative. If everybody was reaching out to tell you how perfect you were, you were, that'd be great for user generated content, but that's not gonna really help move the brand forward and to continue to innovate. So I want you to be a negative Nancy. I want you to dig into the negative things that are happening. And then I want all of the internal operations of the brand and the company to work together to actually fix those things because if you can show your audiences your community your would-be customers that you not only listen but you take back what they say and then you make a better product you will gain loyalty which is harder and harder to do today so i have a follow-up question really quick on that note what do you do okay they're not let's say they're not a troll they're not to that level of being a troll um, but they're they're constantly being negative and how do you, what filter do you use to like, okay, it's, it's Grace again, and she's saying that, so we're not gonna take much stock in it. Do you, do you, have, a, do you have a filter that you, do you run those people through? Like, because you, I know from doing this as well, it's like you have somebody who's always gonna show up and always gonna tell you what you've done wrong. Um, and some of it can be valid, mm -hmm. and some of it is just them being negative. So yeah. how do you, where do you base that filter on? Um, well, there's a lot of different answers to that question, but first and foremost, to move from kind of a reactive state, right? Reactive mm. means social media monitoring is what we're all basically doing. That means that when somebody reaches out to your brand or DMs you or tags your brand in a message on a social channel, right? We're monitoring those channels and then we respond. That's reactive. So to be proactive, we also use social listening, which allows us to listen to brand uh, keywords, product specific keywords, conversation themes, keywords so that we can not only see when people are tagging us but when they're talking about our brand our products our competitors our industry just online in general so that allows us to kind of keep a, a pulse on the voice of the customer including the would-be customer and understand what it is that they're looking for and then 
Social listening also allows you to take all of those conversations and kind of grade the sentiment within them. So we, I think we talked about this last time I, I, I spoke with you all, was the positive, negative, and neutral uh, grade that you get back from most social listening tools. So how much of the conversation around your brand is positive? How much of it's neutral? How much, how much of it is negative? And yes, we do get a lot of graces <laughs> who are customers who are just not happy and you can't please everybody. And this is why the whole like block, ban, delete, hide, troll, um, standard blanket uh, way to deal with trolls doesn't work because sometimes you just have a customer who wants to come through and complain constantly. So. Another thing that I would say without getting too far down the rabbit hole is, you know, having some sort of social CRM or attaching your social channels to or, you know, some sort of API connection to your CRM will help you because then Grace would get flagged in our CRM that she's just a constant complainer. We know how to deal with her. We know what she wants based on past conversations. And then we can make sure that we're we're lowering, lowering those gaps and responding as quickly as possible when, when Grace's come along. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Ian has a great a great point here. He goes, uh, he thinks he says, I think it's a lot easier to balance the positive uh, and negative when you're not a solar brand. If it's just you, it's easy to take the negative very personally. How do you balance that? So I think that's a, a great question. A lot of people have that uh, issue as well. Yeah, you know, uh, we try to provide a lot of support both with the clients, but also as a company through B Squared to understand that we have to separate ourselves from the brand. And honestly, there are people who are better suited to do this than others. Some of them, like me, okay, I'm, I'm including me in this. I don't have thick skin. I'm sensitive. I'll be the first to admit if, if somebody said something nasty to the brand and I was the community manager, I would take it personally. But that's why I wouldn't make a great community manager for social-led customer care. You've got to find those people who can kind of separate, build out the thick skin, but also be the people who are the negative Nancy and to look at that negative and say, how can we take this event and turn it around into a positive? And that's truly what negative events are. They're actually a chance to deepen the relationship if you look at it the right way. Hmm. That's a great point. I also want to note that in in the book, Brooke does talk about how to approach this. So although she does is sensitive personally, she does provide a really good way of like um, how to approach it, how to approach like these negative these negative me's, I guess, if we're just <laughs> people. So I, I will note yeah. that. But, um, you know, from this point, you go on to write that you quickly realize through doing this test that there's a fundamental, the fundamental structure of the organization and the need to manage social media based customer support where there was an inherent mismatch or there's an inherent mismatch in general, not necessarily with this test. Can you talk to us what you meant by this? And then what is the first step yeah. in, in fixing this mismatch? Because a lot of times it's the management and you're just like, everyone gets bought in on this, but then, you know, you're whoever's managing the company or owns the company is just like, yeah, I don't really want to do that. And then you're like, but okay. <laughs> like, what what yeah. can you do with that? Yeah. Well, there's three points I, I think I would make about that. One with that first beta test, what we realized is, and the mismatch there is, their employees at, at, a, at a company, at a typical company, 
Um, employees work Monday through Friday, nine to five. That's an inherent mismatch because social lives 24 seven. So even if they have, you know, a team or someone dedicated to handling social support, um, that person probably only works Monday through Friday, nine to five. And so what we found oftentimes when we were taking over, over social led customer support for some of our clients was that the reason why we were able to have some of those big numbers that you mentioned earlier, Grace, is because, you know, if, if something comes in on a Friday evening, it sits out there for the world to see for two days until the team gets back on Monday. But guess what? A lot of these teams, and this is the second point, are when we, we talk about like call centers, typical traditional call centers within a company, we're often talking about the lowest level, lowest paid employees. So they were typical call centers, then they got pushed into being able to handle email. And that's a whole thing on itself because a lot of systems aren't set up to handle secure messaging through email and whatnot. So that became a problem. And then we push these people even further into saying, oh, and now all of these requests are coming through on social. So you have to handle that, that as well. So that's kind of the mismatch that's happening um, when you kind of dig down a layer deeper. And I think thirdly, there's just a mismatch in um, appropriately identifying customer care as something that needs to be the foundation of your business. I think a lot of the C-suite still looks at social-led customer care as a cost center. And Mark and I actually did a webinar together, Mark Schaefer, who I am on the podcast with, and he said something so great, so I don't, I wanna give him credit for this, but his analogy was, Think of customer care like the IT department in the 90s. In the 90s, everyone was saying, how can we cut IT costs, right? It costs a lot, we need to cut it. Fast forward to today, the IT department is foundational to the company. It, it it's, it's, comes in first, right? You don't really build until you have that. That's what I think will happen with customer care because it's so critical to your success as a brand, being able to connect with people and align your brand values with the values of your customers or your target customers. Mm, that's really great advice. Um, Gary has a great question, and I know Gary, he's, he's a friend, he's here almost every week. He goes, what do you think about Hi, using canned responses on social media when people complain, but also what do you mm. uh, know if you know, what if you know your own response times to complaints are poor the rest of the organization not understanding social. And I think a lot of people are yeah. going, oh, Gary, I feel your pain. So um, what would you say to Gary? Yeah, yeah. So, so the first part of the question, we actually get in trouble. We get backlash if you constantly just use those canned responses. So if you're just copying and pasting to a problem, people notice and then they complain about that. So um, part of what we do when we talk about, you know, processing out customer care, one of the first things we do is work on our frequently asked questions documentation. So the load hanging fruit is, what are the questions that we're constantly seeing come through on social or elsewhere through our digital channels? How can we document those, put some answers together and make sure that we have a couple of different variations to those answers so that we're not just copying and pasting a canned response, right? And then as far as if, if your re response time times aren't doing well because people don't understand social, that is one of the biggest problems that we see. And that is one of the biggest complaints. That is also one of the biggest reasons consumers choose for leaving one brand for another is poor response times. So my advice there is put everything you've got into getting better response times because 
there's a lot of different information out there on, on what people expect, especially by platform. But overall, let's just say that when people reach out on social media, they're expecting a response somewhere between 30 minutes to an hour. So you need to try to work on meeting that. And if you can't, that's why companies like mine exist. <laughs> <laughs> so, by the way, if you're just joining us, we're talking, Brooke has, has come, she's chock full of amazing information, but she's got a book that's going to be coming out shortly. And if you want to get like advanced notice about everything and get a download of one of the chapters, make sure you guys go to bit.ly forward slash b2book. That's capital B, the number two, and then book. bit.ly forward slash b2book. It's amazing. Um, you're going to love it. So make sure you guys go check that out if you just started joining us. Uh, Tommy even has some great insight. He goes, uh, it's not about customer care. It's about customer connection. And I think that is Hi, great. Tommy. Yeah. So very, very cool. Um, so Sabrina, our friend Sabrina says, I find that some people from uh, miscellaneous, from, I find that some feedback from miscellaneous people are angry and they're ready to rumble. <laughs> so that becomes very calm and fast cons uh, customer care. Sometimes it's not even about the brand. It's so quick and professional customer care. They may stay around as a customer or they may not because something else is going on in their anger level. So yeah, dealing with mm -hmm. angry people is something, um, do you have to really quickly, Brooke, uh, develop a thick skin when you're doing, you know, dealing with all this stuff? Because it's easy to you know, take mm -hmm. it personally. Yeah, I think part of how we train our team is to take like that analytical approach. What can we see in this angry sentiment or in these angry conversations that's a common thread, that's a common theme? How can we take that common thread or common theme back to internal departments, whether it's product development, R&D, in some cases, uh, in one case, I'll, I'll give you a quick story. We had a financial app client who um, when you shop through their app, you get cash back with some of their partners. One of their partners who was a grocer wasn't showing your like cash back points in the app. And we kept seeing this over and over. It'd be really easy for us to come up with those patented answers and quell the situation. Like, don't worry, they're there. You just can't see them because there's a bug in the system and blah, blah, blah. But no, instead we went back to our client said, we really want to get with a developer, show them what's happening, show them what the customers are showing us so that we can get this bug fixed. And ultimately we did. So we not only were able to fix this problem by taking it and doing the deep work, we were also able to save on time and capital and energy and effort because we could have forever for the rest of our lives known how to answer the question and solve the customer's pain point. But why don't we fix the gap? Why don't we fix the pothole in the customer experience instead? Mm, great, that's great. So one of, back, let's go back to the, this, this social first customer care concept you talked about at the beginning of this book, and you talk about this this mysterious luxury brand that <laughs> we, we don't know who it is, but uh, but I, I I imagine it's one that's established, well known, and we'd all and well staffed. But how would you adopt these same social led customer care approaches to a social team of one like Jeff C? Like, what am I supposed mm -hmm. to do? Um, because I don't have the resources to have all these people answer this stuff and like I want to take a break every once in a while you know how do how do you do all this stuff I mean you're a small business too I mean uh, uh, you know uh, agency not a not a huge multi you know time zones you know you don't have a, a New York office and a California office and all that so I, I don't think maybe you do um, but what do you tell somebody who's like a social person of one 
Yeah, well, that's where it gets hard. And I say this is actually more where tech comes into play. You know, in mm. the book, I talk about teams, not tech, and it's really more human centered because the machines bring you back the data so they can alert you to what's happening, but the humans make the creative solutions based on those data points, right? But for a team of one, I would say this is where the tech comes in. This is where you have to understand where are the places we can use a bot to answer some of those frequently asked questions. How can we use automation to help us be more efficient with what we're trying to get done? And then I think also making sure that as a solo social media team, you have the buy-in from any sort of like customer support teams, um, teams who would be you know working on you know a product that didn't work. So the, the luxury appliance brand, by the the way um, is global but part of what people come to us for support with is fixing like say the refrigerator well that means we have to go to the service department and send someone out to service their refrigerator so that whole like time to resolution thing you know has has a deeper meaning because it's not just time to resolution on social it's time to resolution for the social service or I'm sorry the service department so I think there's a lot of different factors, but one, it would be the tech, and two, it would just be like understanding like when something does go wrong that needs to be fixed that you aren't going to do as the social person, or you, Jeff, aren't gonna be able to do. How can you create those processes and relationships, including the tech and the automation, to get those resolutions created faster? Mm. So do you think it's necessary to be on every channel when you're doing the social-led customer care pro program, especially when you're talking about, and you talk about this in the book, the tagged and untagged feedback. Yeah, so tagged and untagged feedback means we're humans, right? Sometimes we're angrily tweeting away at a brand and we misspell their brand name. So we think we're tagging them, but because we misspelled the name, they're not actually getting tagged. Sometimes, like I mentioned earlier in the show, we're talking about a brand, but we're not including the brand in the conversation, right? So that's untagged as well. When we tag a brand, we're actually tagging them correctly by mentioning their handle um, on social. So, um, you know, my approach is to look at where you are being tagged, but also use that proactive social listening tool to find out where you're being mentioned. I think more importantly, it is about being tagged though, because let's say you are getting a lot of social support requests or acquisition requests through Twitter, but not so much Facebook, then I wouldn't tell you to be everywhere. I think you need to be, you need to meet the customer where they are. So part of that is doing an audit and understanding where do most of our support or acquisition questions come in. It's likely going to be more than one channel, but you are probably also going to see it's not every channel. Um, and even if you're getting like one support request on TikTok, that doesn't mean you have to jump out on, on TikTok because <laughs> one person asked one support question one time. Does that make sense? Like, where are you seeing the highest volume? Go and meet your customers there. Yeah, I'm not so much on TikTok. So, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's true. <laughs> me neither, me neither. Yeah. Just to make that clear, me neither. <laughs> well, you touched on this a little bit uh, just a few minutes ago, but you know, as, as we all know, marketing is becoming more and more reliant on AI, everything from chatbots that we just talked about to streamline that customer communication, and then even writing tools like Jarvis, which has now been renamed to Jasper, where you know entire social media posts are now being written 
in in this with this AI, and it feels like a relief to marketers, uh, especially those that are required to be twenty four seven, or the expectation is that they're there twenty four seven. But of course, we know we're not. Uh, but then you mentioned, mm-hmm. despite being hugely helpful, chatbots don't always convey that sense of human empathy, and that is absolutely true, and which is central to this this social led customer care. So, how do you know when? and how to automate, like when is the right time to automate? And also how do you know what parts of your journey you should be automating and what should be left to to the real people? Because I just know that going through like, you know, like a customer service request, sometimes it's like, I need a human like 15 responses ago, you know, like, you know, yeah, yeah. Or, or I never needed a human at all. And like, oh, you had a you had a solution already typed up and I don't have to talk to anyone like that. I can see that. Be, I, I can see both of those situations being a good thing, depending on who you are. <laughs> yeah. So what we've seen for our enterprise size brands. So these are larger brands with high volume is that bots don't really work because the support questions that they're getting are more complex. However, and this is what's great for a lot of smaller brands, if a lot of the questions that you're receiving through social are some of those frequently asked questions, like those easy layups, like, are you open today? What are your hours today? Do you have these shoes in a size seven? Those kinds of easy questions can be answered by a bot. So you can easily set up a bot to help you be more efficient and help you be more available 24 seven. Um, when it gets to complex needs or questions, you can go from enchantment with a bot to enraged in about 2.5 seconds, which has happened to me and it sounds like it's happened to you, Grace. So, you know, I think the mistake that a lot of marketers are making is we've got this shiny object syndrome happening with these really cool tools, but if they're not able to answer the question quickly, right? So if it's not that simple FAQ that they could just spit out the answer every time, always right 24 seven, if it's a more complicated answer that involves needing empathy, a bot is probably not going to be this best solution for you. So I, I like what you said about the frequently asked questions. So that might be a place to start if you want to do a bot. But I think, isn't there a way that most of these bot platforms you can have talk to a real person where they can click on that button as yes. well? And so adding both of those options would probably be the best solution to that kind of scenario? Yeah. yeah. So for our clients who do use bots, we actually kind of I don't want to say force, but we, we we highly recommend that they have that I want to talk to a human now option. There's actually a research done by Ubisend, which is a, a chatbot company on why do people want to use bots. The number one people number one reason people actually want to use bots is because of poor response times by most brands. Hmm. They want a quicker answer. So if brands actually got better at those response times. I think we would even see that bots would be preferred less and less, which is pretty interesting. So, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this one time because, well, we're getting into it next, but I'm going to talk about uh, the cruise I was just on because it was a Disney cruise. <laughs> and Disney does this stuff really, really well. And one of the things, so you have a, like reservations for like a big restaurant and it's hard to get in. And I didn't want to do it because I didn't want to take up an evening dining plan or whatever. And so I wanted to do a brunch. And I was like, I don't want to go downstairs and wait in line with that stuff. And they have an app. And so I clicked on it. I immediately was connected to a person. And I said, hey, I don't want to do this. Can I do this here? And she immediately switched me over. And it was so easy. And other people were still waiting in line. And having, And I'm like, I'm done. I got it like, as soon as I was on the ship. And it was amazing. So mm-hmm. that kind of stuff delighted me <laughs> that I didn't have to wait in line. And if people can, if 
because I was able to connect to that real person. I had the the kind of the flow chart that you went through at the beginning. Like, what do you want to do? Are you talking about dining? You're talking about, you know, you need something else. You need to have a, you know, when you're at port. And so it broke it down. But then I was immediately connected to a real life person who took care of my problem, and it was amazing. So that's what I think you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. If you can set up the, what we're, we're calling conversational workflows, because that's how bots work, right? So mm-hmm. not to get too far down this rabbit hole, but like there's natural language processing, but bots still don't process natural language is great. And I'm going to give you an example. I'm going to say a, I'm going to say a pretend bad word, right? Bots do not know the difference between these two statements. This is the SHIT and this is SHIT. <laughs> Do you see the difference? We know that that first statement is actually saying like, this is amazing. This is great. Oh my God, I love this. Bots would tag that as negative sentiment, but humans know that that's actually positive sentiment, right? Yeah. So so even with natural language processing, bots don't understand empathy because they don't understand sentiment 100%. So this is why I say teams, not tech, because a lot of times, A, we need that human if the problem is complex, but B, if we can set up those easy FAQs or those easy conversational workflows and they don't involve sentiment or empathy, then we can get somebody to a human as long as you actually can get somebody a live human, then yes, the bot and the humans can work great together. And that is the perfect example. And obviously Disney, right? This was a Disney cruise. I don't know if you said that. Yeah. Has their stuff together. (laughs) Yeah, they have it. Yeah. And they were the, yeah, it was amazing. So we'll talk about that a little bit, but you know who else is amazing? Our friends over at Ecamm. And in fact, that's what we're doing to produce all this live show with. Next week, they've got an amazing thing all about audio, how to do it, if you're struggling with it, what to upgrade, what not to upgrade, what to get. So make sure you guys go check them out at ecamm.hq.alterlive.com. So uh, ecamm.hq.alterlive.com. And they have free trainings all next week. So make sure you guys go and check that out. So speaking of Disney, creating magical moments. We're going to talk yeah. all about that because that is important. And there's a lot of stuff that you think like, oh, I'm not Disney. I can't do that. I can't draw. I can't animate. But there's so many great things you can see that they're doing and other companies that Brooke has mentioned in this book that you can actually take inspiration and go, you know, I could do that. I could be conversational. I could, you know, see what people need and, and respond to that. So we're going to be talking all about that more this next section. So take it away, Grace. Yes, so these creating these magical moments. So whether it's this amazing Disney cruise experience or Hilton Hotel where I used to work, fulfilling these oddly specific customer requests, marketers are told all the time that we should be creating these incredible, audacious, wow, out of the box moments that in our customers' lives, and let's admit it, like for the gram as well, right? And I was pondering this idea as I was preparing for this show, and I saw this post from my friend, Amanda Henson. She works uh, in marketing for a healthcare system. And she, I'm gonna read this because I love, I loved everything she had to say, and it goes into my next question. She says, I've seen a lot of Salesforce 360 commercials on YouTube for the Olympics. Of course, they're one of the big sponsors. I really wish customer service worked that way. I love that my local, I would love for my local coffee shop to know how my latte, how I like my latte or the hotel I'm checking into to know that I prefer a warm room. The tech is theoretically there, parentheses, if the product works as advertised, of course. And then uh, we just need companies to truly care about their customers and to hire the brains to put it all together. I love this and it just fits right into our topic today. But let's break this down starting 
with the technology. You know, I, I know I mentioned life uh, Salesforce 360, but is the tech really there to do something like this? Is it possible to get this level of, of personalization in our customer care? It definitely is. It's definitely there. Um, I think also it depends on budget, right? So we know that Salesforce is an amazing tool, but it's also a very expensive tool. So how many companies can feasibly use Salesforce 360 to understand how somebody likes their latte as the example, right? Um, not everyone. So I think, you know, part of what I break down in the book is like, hey, listen, even without the tech and the tools, you can do this as long as you have that customer centric attitude from the beginning. So it's like you're saying, you know, we can gather so much social intelligence. And by the way, people don't just go to social media and say like, hi, my name is Brooks Ellis and I live in Flemington, New Jersey. They're going out on social media. They're telling us their opinions, their feelings, their interests, their activities. They're sharing the interests and activities of all of their friends, there is a massive amount of social intelligence available to you if you're listening. Mm. So couldn't it be just as easy as a simple CRM? You don't have to do Salesforce or whatever, but you could start making notes about, you know, Brooke, I, I, her birthday's here and I know she likes this. And I mean, just, and so once again, example, um, at this cruise, you have a dining rotation. And the, the cool thing is, is your servers come with you. So we eat at different restaurants each time and your server comes with you and they know what you want every night. So the first night I like unsweet iced tea mm -hmm. and we like to have coffee with dessert. Every night after that, I had my iced tea waiting for me and they always brought us coffee for dessert. Just those little simple things, you know I tipped my head server really, really well. But they, everybody does that on the entire ship. So taking that concept and making it, you know, even just making a note, like I know Sabrina lives in New York and that she, her husband is a chef and she's on our show every week. And I always remember that because she's amazing. She shares our stuff. I love her to death. She's a great part of our community. But I, I've made note that I, I've seen her. I've seen her. She takes some gorgeous photos of New York with the snow all over it. And I remember that from her Instagram feed and I show up there. And so just those little things, I think, um, small solopreneurs can do if you just take the time to make those notes. Am I right? That's exactly right. It's taking the time. It actually is caring. And I think, you know, one of my friends, Kenneth, uh, I, I think is also going to be releasing a book soon called We Care-ish. And that sums it up. Brands, really, most of them care-ish. Meh. You know, mm -hmm. and they're not truly customer centric. They're platform centric. They're revenue centric. Um, they're shiny object syndrome centric. They're not customer centric. So to truly do it, and if you really want to do it, you first have to be customer centric. And if you are, like you said, Jeff, it's so simple. HubSpot CRM, it's free. There's a free CRM for you to go use. If you put the notes in, and you've got these notes about how Jeff likes unsweet iced tea or whatever the situation may be, then they're there and you can act off of those notes with all sorts of marketing messages. If you don't have the notes, like what do we always hear with CRM, like trash in, trash out? It <laughs> takes deep work and thought and critical thinking to make sure that these machines that we're relying on are giving us data back that the humans can then take and make creative solutions with. So I'm sure with your Disney example, that was just like a a CRM or a POS or something within right. Disney where they can first take those first orders and then understand this is how Jeff likes his tea. This is how Jeff likes his coffee. But 
the people, someone within the Disney organization came up with the idea and the solution of, okay, we're going to take this intelligence that we have from our guests and we're going to have their servers follow them and use this information each time to make the experience better. Yeah. And I think it, it doesn't take a lot to make an impact. Um, so I went to <laughs> Sabrina, you're so sweet. She goes, my heart is melting. Oh, you make me feel so good. Sabrina. But and then Elisa, she goes, I need to go on this cruise. I don't know if they'd let you on. Elisa. Me too. I don't know if they would. <laughs> oh. Maybe it's this place where it's a happy place, but they might let you on. Um, see what I did with Elisa there. I told you before. Um, anyway, let's let's talk a little more about this because Grace mentioned, you know, Amanda, the things that she mentioned are really kind of small and ordinary. And we've been talking about this. And you make a great point in this book about how companies are so focused on throwing a parade for their you know, customers uh, and what they really want and expect is someone to fix their potholes. Like people just want, I just want to talk to the right people or you know, you know, yes. fix the product. Can you, can you elaborate a little bit more about just, just fixing the potholes? Because I think we, we, try, we tend to overthink this a little bit. Yes, thank you. Okay, so I want everybody to close your eyes and I want you to picture a road, okay? Just a little road. And this is the digital customer journey, right? But just picture a road. Everything we normally hear from marketers about customer experience, which means traveling down that road, okay? It, you feel like you have to throw like a, a fanfare. You're like rolling out the red carpet on the road and then there's a parade happening on the road and then there's somebody on the road with like a drink table and refreshments, but it has to be champagne. That's how a lot of marketers make CX customer experience feel as you're going down this road. And I think that is actually the wrong approach because when we're traveling down the road, what we really want is an easy road to travel down. So less potholes on the road, less distractions on the road. And in real life through like digital right marketing, what that probably means is like less clicks to get from I'm interested in buying your project product to I'm buying your product and then to retention, loyalty, evangelism, repurchase, all of those things. How can we make it easier as we're traveling down this road we're imagining? Not throw a huge fanfare down the road every time for every single customer, which is totally not scalable. Oh, that's music to a lot of marketers ears. I can tell them they're like, oh, finally I have permission. It's okay. I don't have to, because we do, we get almost like in vapor lock. We have so much stuff to do and we're like, I just can't compete with like other people. So yeah, very, very good. Yeah. Marketers need to chill. We need to chill. I'm going to, I'm gonna, probably going to make some people mad, but marketers just need to chill out. All right. We just can't have nice things <laughs> is what happens. Yeah. We, we all need to chill. So, but let's switch to the people side of this. Brooke, you write that automation is great, but at your company, B Squared Media, you've seen firsthand that combining technology with actual humans enhances, that, enhances those customer relationships. And we've touched on this quite a bit on today's show, but tell us how you integrate this technology with the actual human experience at B Squared Media. Yeah, so I'll give you a, another story here. So with that luxury appliance, uh, a luxury appliance brand, um, they released a new cappuccino machine, and it was a great product, a very expensive product, a very cool product, made the most delicious. I've had a few cappuccinos you've ever had, like amazing. Okay, you feel like you're like right there in Italy at a cafe, um, but 
when they released the product using social listening, what we saw was not necessarily tagged, right? People weren't necessarily tagging the brand, but like Brooke will use me. It was going out onto social and saying like, hey, does anybody know how to change the coffee filter in this very expensive capo- cappuccino machine? Because I'm not seeing it and I and I Googled and I'm, I'm not understanding how to change the coffee filter. So the machines, right, the, the social listening alerted us to this negative sentiment happening online through social media, but it took humans to come up with the creative solution for that. So what we did with that data is we said, oh boy, this is a lot of negative conversation. This is a brand new product. We should see positive conversation, not negative. We went back to the client. We said, hey, people don't know how to change their coffee filter in this machine. And they said, oh yeah, it's on page like 437 of the service manual. And we were like, yeah, no one's going to read that. <laughs> no one wants to flip to page 437 and then follow some sort of written word on how to change this coffee filter. Why don't you create a video and put it on the product page, right? So that people can, when they're searching, A, that video will pop right up. But if we do have some of this negative sentiment, we can say, oh, Brooke, hey, no, no worries. Here's a video on how to do that, right? Once we made that change and that piece of content was available, we saw that not only did negative sentiment go down around this particular product, positive sentiment went up around the product. There was more user-generated reviews and content and peer-to-peer recommendations around this product. So then sales went up for this product. So does that make sense? The machine brings us the information, they give us the social intelligence, but they don't give us the creative solutions. That takes humans. Hmm. No, but do you, are there any tools that you personally recommend CRM tools for social listening or coding uh, communication? I know we talked about that there's a human element to it, but we still need the tools. Are there any that you, uh, that you would, you feel confident recommending? Yeah, there's a, there are so many tools, right? So it's uh, tools are, are of a preference. You know, it's it's highly subjective what tool is going to work for you. It also depends on budget. We use and love Sprout Social for social listening, but we've used a myriad of other other tools out there. I think Agora Pulse also has um, social listening on a lower price point. There's also um, tools like Mention.com. There's Google Alerts, which is totally free, by the way. You're not going to get like the robust reporting and, and and out of the box sentiment scoring, but hey, it's a place to start. And then there's like the expensive side of CX and uh, tools that can help you with this, like Sprinkler. Um, so I would just say, you know, do your homework when you're when you're searching for a tool. Let the the people know when you're doing your demo what you're trying to solve for, what you're trying to do with this tool, and make them show you how the tool is going to be able to do that for you, right? Because it's so easy to get like shiny object syndrome with all the cool things the tools do. But if you need it to actually do something, tell them that and make them show you. Show me how your tool is going to help me do XYZ. I want to see it in action before I buy. So how can these magical moments kind of be found and, igni- and, and ignited, like, you know, get behind those things. But, and, and on that kind of, that same kind of question, Gary has a great point. He goes, I love user generated videos. I find a lot of my tech questions from other users in brand messaging boards, music software, for example. So kind of on that same note, you know, we've all talked, everybody talks about like user generated content. That's everything you need to do, but like, that's hard to do well. So what are your like best practices on user generated content? Because I think that's a great way to like ignite those magical moments because one, it's, you know that that's something important to your end user. So how do you use that in your kind of strategy? 
That's another great way we use social listening. So funnily enough, a lot of user generating content, user generated content is not tagging the brand. It's just like a brook going and being like, I got this box and it opens <laughs> like this. But instead of using it like that, I'm turning it upside down and now it's a floss holder. You know, I'm making that up. But <laughs> but Brooke will go out and do that just because she wants to share with her audience, right? But she's not tagging the brand. So if you're being proactive and you're using social listening, you can actually get alerts about that user-generated content that's happening where you're not getting tagged. And then you can reach out to Brooke as the brand and be like, oh my God, Brooke, I love the way you're using our product. Can we share your video with our community? Nine times out of 10, Brooke says yes, right? Because we all like to be recognized. Uh, we all like to be lifted up on social. And then you've got a peer-to-peer -peer recommendation of Brooke telling everybody how awesome your little box is versus the brand telling everybody how so awesome I have the a, box is. I have a flip side from the brand perspective of this, of the, oh. So I have a I have a flip example of this user generated content. So you know, I work for Restream, and we have a lot of people that will test our tool. We had a, we had a whole influencer program, and so we actually got a comment from our our social team, our support team, got a comment that someone else had created some sort of tutorial all completely on their own, had nothing to do with us, and the information they had in there was incorrect for some reason. Like I don't know if it was out of date or they just were not giving and so we ended up getting a lot of flack from this person about it we had to be like well that really wasn't like us but here's the solution and you know but the person was very irate because they're like i thought i could do this and, and this guy said i could it's like, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> so that's another way that like you also have to manage yeah. those kind of things as well. So yeah, with user-generated content, it's not always like because we didn't like we didn't tell them to like no and, and no shade on the person that did it. I don't want to discourage this. It was just kind of like I think the video was like maybe a year old or you know whatever. It, no one was at fault here, but it was still just kind of like uh. <laughs> and then they come to me and they're like, "How do you handle this?" And I'm like, "I can't." I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know how to stop this person. <laughs> I have an anecdote like that in the book. You know, a lot of people were spreading misinformation about, um, well, it wasn't actually misinformation, but they were spreading negative information about the new Apple phone and how if you put it in your pocket and you sat down, the phone might actually bend. Apple had to meet that head on, yeah. right? They had to uh, acknowledge that that was being said, but also acknowledge that, yes, while that happened in earlier prototypes, it had been fixed by the time the phone came out and there was a new version also coming out that wasn't going to do that and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, it's a similar situation where if you're listening and paying attention, you can meet that head on and kind of avert the crisis that mm. could come <laughs> from whatever's being said, right? It, it's like crisis and PR, you know, social listening leads to so many different things, not just social intelligence, not just customer care, not just content marketing, but also PR and crisis comms, right? So I, I think, you know, it, social listening to me, I don't understand why not everyone's using it because it can help yeah. literally almost every department of your business. Yeah, and I think it's important to, uh, when you do that social listening is also, you know, do kind of general stuff and, and the, not to crash into other conversations because I, I've seen brands do that and that's just spammy. You don't want to like, hey, by the way, you can come here and we got this, da, 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 you know, just, but being helpful and part of the conversation. I see that a lot of times in Ecamm's community is the people join in and like, hey, this is what worked for me. I'm using this. And, you know, there's that group, which you build a community and we touched on it a little bit, uh, but that's also a lot of, in your book, you talk about how that works 
together with social listening and all this other stuff. You have some great stuff on that that term that you wrote your thesis on that is so uh, so funny. <laughs> Say it. Oh my God! I yeah. know. Social it penetration. Worst, it is the worst name for a theory. It's the social penetration theory, and I, and I apologize. You know, whoever we're offending right now. Sorry, that's yeah. literally the name of the theory. But it's a terrible name, but it's a beautiful concept, right? Right. And it's fascinating. So, so. you guys, we, we didn't even get into that. Um, but come a couple things that uh, Gary. Uh, mentioned because I think this is really, really important is um, Loom is a great way for show and tell also. So I think any times you can respond to people with a video or a response like in a DM where you actually show in your face, they're almost friends for life. Like I tell this story all the time is like Eileen Smith back on Google Plus days, I was trying to do something and she sent me a Twitter video and I'm like, oh my gosh. And she showed me how to do stuff, and I'm oh, like, nice. and I'm like, this is she's amazing. And so I'm an Eileen fan, a Smith fan for life, because of, of what she did. And so that stuff, like Gary was saying, is how you can delight and create, you know, what we were talking about, those magical moments. Um, you don't have to be a huge brand like Disney. You know, you can you can drop no. in somebody's DMs and and do it. Yeah. What's so beautiful too is a lot of it's there, like community, right? Big buzzword right now, building a community, starting a community. I don't know if any of you follow Ikea, but a lot of Ikea customers, there's like a whole internet culture around Ikea hacks, like hacks that you can do with yes. Ikea furniture. Ikea basically had a built-in community. All they had to do was realize that conversation was happening realize that community existed, gently join the conversation, right? Not crash in like Jeff just said, but they gently joined the conversation. Then they started gently guiding the conversation until it became an owned community of Ikea. This is how you do it. You have to first listen smartly, and then you have to figure out how to join the conversation in an organic, healthy way that makes sense. And then you can get into like the tactical execution of changing consumer behavior, right? Which is where the rubber meets the road. But mm -hmm. this is this is a lot of work, right? And it has to be done correctly. Otherwise, like Jeff said, it can come off a little bit icky. Yeah. Yeah. So we are... <laughs> Now, Brooke, I've been bringing this up the entire time while you've been talking because it's going to be amazing. But you got to promise that you will come back on when uh, your book actually launches and we can talk even more about it because uh, we just got the first draft and it's, it's amazing. Make sure you guys go check it out, bit.ly forward slash b2book. That's capital B, the number two, and then book, bit.ly forward slash b2book. Go get that. Sign up for the update so you know when it's going to come out. Get that free uh, excerpt that's, uh, that's in your book and you will be hooked because this stuff is fascinating and super smart. But Brooke, where else can people find out about you and all things Brooke Sellis? Yeah, so you can Google me on Google. <laughs> uh, just Brooke Sellis. I think I'm the only Brooke Sellis that exists right now, or as of late, that's all I've seen. Or you can visit our website at B squared, the letter B and the word squared dot media. So it's a not com, so you gotta do the dot media to find B squared media. Yeah, and Gary says, and other people saying, great topic, very cool interview today. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Gary, for always showing up and always asking some great questions. Uh, Grace, where can people find out about all things Grace Duffy? Well, I am work at Restream, and I have to do a shout out. We have live human 24-7 <laughs> customer care, customer support. Uh, we have agents all over the world, so every time zone is covered. And I am not only their lead uh, con video content lead. I am also a customer and I can attest to their amazing 
they're they're very helpful, especially if you have no idea what you're doing or you just started a company and you have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> and so I highly recommend that. So that's where you can find me. Uh, every week that I'm not, every day that I'm not here with Jeff on Fridays. <laughs> That's right. And don't forget, our next show is on Friday, February 18th at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central. You can always find us on Facebook, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Amazon Live. We're also a podcast. We'd love for you guys. I mean, Brooke gave so much great advice today. If you want to go listen to it while you're on your walk, you're working out, whatever you're doing, eating a bag of potato chips, I don't care. But go listen to it on your favorite podcasting uh, platforms like Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, uh, Apple, all of those. We're there. We'd love for you guys to leave us a rating and review. Once again, do not forget about Ecamm coming up with this great stuff next week, this training, all about audio, how to make your live videos and your presentations sound really great, what equipment you need, what you don't need, and how to make all that stuff that you have sound better and how important that is. So make sure you guys go check them out. They are Thank you again for them sponsoring their they are amazing. They have great customer service as well. Great community. And with that, we'll see you guys next time. Thank you so much. Thanks, Brooke. Thanks, Grace. See you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Social Media News Live.